0: You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast, and in this podcast, we're going to be listening in on the messages from the Maximized Manhood Men's Conference. In this session, we'll hear from Christian Men's Networks, Paul Cole. Hey, stay standing for a moment. I saw this, uh, saw this in the, on the internet, so it must be true. About uh, the zookeeper in in uh, Germany, and he's about to open the the uh, for the season. And he's, got, he's in charge of the pachyderms, you know, the, the elephants. And he's got this bull elephant, and it's uh, constipated. It's, it's a big problem. So he, he uh, went and got the medicine suppositories, right? And he's reading it, and it says, one of these will work in 48 hours. And he's thinking, man, I don't have 48 hours. Well two of them must work in twenty-four hours, right? Well four of them are work in what? About six hours, right? Doesn't that sound doesn't that sound like a how many how many of us like more horsepower? Come on, somebody. Right? So So he takes those suppositories, put those in the elephant, comes back six or seven hours later, nothing's happened. like, man. Comes back about another hour later, nothing's happened. He's like kind of walks behind the elephant. And right then, everything that was in the elephant <laughs> comes out of the elephant. Kills him. 150 pounds of, King James says, dung. 150 pounds of dung. Just his feet sticking out. They find him a couple hours later. Dead. That man was in the wrong place. on, somebody to go with me? At the wrong, wrong time. time. So I turn around, and give 10 guys a high five, and say, You're in the right place at the right time. You're in the right place at the right time. You're in the no dung zone. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, have a seat, have a seat, have a seat. Finish strong. Everybody knows this one, right? Everybody knows this one. Fourth quarter, finish strong. Come on, turn around somebody, says. fourth quarter, finish strong, finish this thing strong. You know, we're going to know pretty soon who had the beans, you know. Hopefully everybody did, right? Because if you see that on the table, you just take them out of defense. You know, it's like, dude, that guy took it, I'm taking some too. I'll show him. <laughs> so... That's why I like men's meetings, man. You can just be a man. Right? Just be, be with some men. Adjust anytime you want. Just, <laughs> just don't worry about the ladies. Tell jokes. that Nobody's going to tell my wife. Amen. You know, life's moving f- uh, fast. I, I, I saw this video. Trey's going to show it in a minute. By the way, great work on this, all these guys that do all the tech stuff. Give them a hand. Great team. And um, I saw this video I wanted to show it to you because this, this kind of picture of how fast life is moving. Anybody feel like, like the world has accelerated over the last decade or so? And so I saw, I saw this video here, watch this. But Holland comes in for a pit stop. Time to refuel and change tire. Lou Moore himself changes the tires. Only four crew members, including the driver, are allowed to work on the car. It's a tense time. Holland stays in his seat, anxious to get away. Let's watch. tires are changed at last. A crewman polishes the windshield as Holland moves away just 67 seconds after he stops. There you go. That is how fast life is moving today, isn't it? Amen. amen. Say amen to that one. That's how fast life is moving. That's why you have to have the Word of God in you. Yes. That's why when, uh, when pastors uh, talk to us as men about being in the Word and in prayer, and Pastor David hit that thing about prayer, the intimacy and adversity of David, you know, that, that in us is what guards us when life comes that fast. Because now you're, you're like that, uh, it's, like, it's like being a linebacker. You can't think about what you're about to do. You just have to do it. It's trained response. What happens is this, is that your system of thinking is perfectly designed to achieve the results you're now getting. Where you're at in your life today is the result of yesterday's thinking. Turn to somebody and say, dude, he's talking to you, and, and you need this. I know you, you needed this. So what happens is we, we put into ourselves a system of thinking based on input. Neural plasticity takes place as things come into us and when we put the Word of God in there, it begins to seat in our hearts. And I don't want to get off into this, but the fact is, is that the heart has a, uh, what's called cell memory and things come out of our heart quickly. You ever have something happening, you just react? Right? You just react. Anybody ever get cut off on 79 and you just react? Just waving at the guy? Like, you're number one? Come on, somebody. Just turn to some guy and go, hey, he's talking about you again. It's about you again. <laughs> How did he know? <laughs> life, life happens fast, so it's what we put in. And I believe that what we'll find out, Pastor Robert, someday, medical science continues to prove the Word of God. Continues. The things that, that are in the Word, medical science continually, science continually be, proves the Word of God. And I believe that we're going to find out the washing of the water of the Word of God actually does something physically. And you're going to find this out. I believe that as you read the Word, as you get into the Word, as you let this Word Permeate you, I believe something actually physically happens. Because the, the couple billion synapses that you have every single day in your, in your brain, I believe that what happens is when we ingest the wrong things, what happens is we create different neural patterns. And those different neural patterns, you talk about Romans 12 too, you change your life by changing the way you think that those neural patterns change with the input that we have. And so if you're putting the wrong things, and again, coming back to pornography or addictions or or friendships that you have, whatever those may be, they they create certain patterns in your mind and then we react based on those patterns or we act out those patterns. And I believe when we get into the Word of God, it heals us and, and takes us and creates the right patterns for us so that we think rightly. Go to John chapter 21. Uh, John chapter 21. We'll put it on the screen if you're too lazy to take out your phone. Talking to that guy next to you. Not talking to you. It's the guy next to you, you know that guy. And so I, I want to look at something here because this is a freeing thing. When I really discovered this in my life, and not that long ago, just a few years ago, when this really spoke to me in a very deep way, it set me free in some things, in in how much Jesus loves me, and how much the Holy Spirit desires to be with me no matter where I'm at, even if my thinking's not exactly right. Anybody ever done anything you regret? All right, talking to the guy next to you again. In fact, turn to the guy next to you and go, dude, I think he's got me this time. You ever do anything you regret? You ever say anything? You ever hit a text and you go, wait, 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 I just hit sin? No, 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 no. Your wife's like, what? You go, no, no, didn't mean that. It was, it was on voice text, I'm sorry. Right? You ever, you ever have something happen and, and you're like, man, I wish I could take that back? And that's what happens in John 21. It's a really um, remarkable story of Jesus himself redeeming a man's life. And it's our story. Uh, one of my favorite doofuses in the entire world is a guy named, uh, is a guy, and this, this happened in, uh, in England a few years ago. And, and this guy, uh, let me grab his, his name again, because it, it, it cracked me up when I read the whole report on him. Nick Flynn. Nick Flynn. So January of 2008. Show that, Trey, show that first, the vases. So these, these vases in January of 2008, those vases... There's four of them, actually, and there's a picture of three of them. These vases are at, at the bottom of a stairway at the Fitzwilliam Museum in Cambridge, England. And each of, those, each of those vases is worth about a half million dollars, $500,000 each. They're from the 12th century Huang Dynasty of China, hand hand-painted. Half million dollars each. There's four of them, and they're at the bottom of the stairs. And Nick Flynn... 2008, January, is standing at the top of the stairs. And he looks down and his shoelace is untied. So he thinks, well, I'll just tie my shoelace. They asked him later, hey, what were you thinking as you fell down the stairs? He said, I was thinking I could just grab the first base, spin, and miss the other ones. Go to the next slide. Didn't work. Now, here's what's great. Look, go to the next slide, Trey. That's an actual surveillance (laughs) shot of Nick Flynn having just destroyed $2 million worth of vases. Over the next four years, top experts in the world put those vases back together. They look the same, they look great. I mean, you would never tell that they'd been broken. Yet those vases are now worth $50,000 each. $50,000 $50,000 each. And Nick Flynn regrets having had that happen. John 21 is Peter dealing with some regret. At the end of chapter 20, we see John, the revelator, a man who they stuck on an island, said, we'll never hear from him again. He wrote the, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And here's, here's John, looking back through his life. Now, He's older at this point, and he's looking back as a reflective older man, looking back at what's happened. The Gospels have been written. That's why 93% of the Gospel of John is actually not in the other Gospels. It's unique to him as he's thinking back. Of the, it's where we have the seven IMs. It's where we have uh, the story of Jesus and Nicodemus, and, and we have these different stories that are in there, and he's thinking back of the things that have happened. And at the end of chapter 20, he writes this, he says, uh, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, that by believing in him you will have life by the power of his name. Now he's written this entire book to a Greek-Roman culture. He's written it to unchurched people. He's written to people saying, I, 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 my prayer is that you would fall in love with the one whom I fell in love with. That's why we tell people all the time, you know, you, you've told this many times to people. You've said, hey, man, read the Gospel of John. You want to learn what Jesus is like? You want, to, you want to know more about what it is to be a follower of Christ? Read this. Read the Gospel of John. We print them out by themselves and hand them out. Because John wrote this to people who never met Jesus, weren't around, didn't see all the things that happened. He said, I want you to meet this man. So we find these great scriptures in John, and then he finishes. Chapter 20, he's done. He goes, you know, one more story. One more story. Let me just tell you one more story that happened. Because this will pull it all together. And he writes chapter 21. He says, Jesus appeared to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. All right? So this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, sons of Zebedee, two other disciples. Peter said, I'm going fishing. Well, they all said, well, we'll come too. Now, this is the third appearance of Christ. We'll see that in a moment after his resurrection. So the number three is prominent in this. He's writing to a Greek Roman culture. And uh, I, I like the picture of Peter here because Peter says, uh, Peter's like, you know, earlier in chapter 16, we see Peter have this moment where he cuts off the ear of guy. Remember that? Remember at the end of the Last Supper, Jesus says, hey, you know, here's one thing I need you to do. Uh, do you have a sword? And they will go, nah. He goes, well, then sell your jacket and get a sword. He wants us to be dangerous. And so Peter has a sword. They're in the garden. They go to arrest Jesus. And uh, he cuts the guy's ear off. Remember this? Anybody know this story? Cuts the guy's ear off, which is hilarious because like he missed Right? I think that's a funny story. Like, cuts the guy's ear off. Dang it. And uh, trying to stop it. Jesus picks, this is a great story. I mean, you have to read this as real people. It really happened. Jesus picks the man, man's ear up, goes, puts it back on, and goes, guys, we okay? We good? Because they're all like, they are all bowing up, you know? And uh, puts the guy's ear back on. Yeah, it's, it's good. Okay, we're good. And that's Peter, you know, impulsive, right? He's just, he's just that guy. And then there comes that moment where he's looking at Jesus across a courtyard. And it says he's standing at a charcoal fire. And standing at this charcoal fire on how many times? How many occasions? Three occasions. People ask him, aren't you with that guy? And one time it says he even swears. He says, no, I'm not with him. I'm not with him. I'm not with him. Now we see Peter. And by this time, Jesus has appeared to him and a number of other people. We know there were 500 appearances of Christ in that 40 days. And there's Peter, and, and uh, he's not sure what to do. Jesus has died. He's resurrected. but are like, what do I do now? Right? What do I, man. Because now he's thinking back. Think about this. He's, he's the guy, the only one he knows in his whole circle, that actually said, I'm not with him. He actually told people, no, no, I don't know the guy. I don't know I'm not with him. Now here he is. He doesn't know what to do. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? You go fishing. Can I get an amen? Or hunting. Okay, get an amen from Cody. Right? You just just go to your default. You did not know what to do. Now we see a little bit of Peter's makeup in the sense that when he said, I'm going to go fishing, what did everybody else do? Huh? What did they do? They will say, "Eh, we'll go too. So there's a leadership gift in Peter already. because so We can see that. Because when he decides to go fishing, everybody else says, we'll go too. And it says they were out in a boat that caught nothing all night. How many of you have gone fishing like that before? At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. The disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Another translation says it, says it this way. Hey, boys, you haven't caught any fish, have you? No, now this is a setup. This is a setup where Jesus is showing up in order to help Peter because Peter's dealing with regret. Think about the regret you would have. The The same guy that walked on water, the same man that took a sword and tried to defend Jesus, and then he denies him three times. What's your heart like? What's the regret like? What are you thinking at this point? John says, Hey, there's, there's Jesus. Now, I like this one. He says, uh, Fellows, if you caught any fish? know the reply. He says, Throw your net on the right hand side of the boat and you get something. Now, this is hilarious because if you're fishing, how many times have you put your net everywhere? Come on, right? If you're fishing, you haven't caught anything. I was fishing uh, Tuesday and uh, we didn't catch anything in the first. Time. So, we, what, what do you do? You change flies, right? How many casts? about three. You can see them right there. Okay, that's not working. We'll put this one on. How many of you know you changed bait, right? So these men have been fishing all night, haven't caught anything. And Jesus said, put your net on the right side. There's a lot of symbolism and semiotics here in the sense that the right-hand side is where Jesus is. It's a seat of authority. There's there's certain pictures here. He says, put it on the right side. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish. Then the disciples, Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his jacket for he'd stripped for work, jumped in the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat, pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from shore. Now, let me just hit something here on, this, on, this, on him putting his jacket back on. Because now Peter's dealing with his identity as a man. Peter's dealing with who he is as a man. Not sure where he stands with Jesus, not sure what his identity is, not sure, you know, where do I fit in all this? Do I still measure up? I'm sure I don't. He's got these regrets. In those days, you remember the people when Jesus came in on a cult before his crucifixion? You remember all that coming into Jerusalem? And it says that people have palm branches, and it said they also threw their coats. In front of that colt or donkey, right? Well, the reason they did that is that they were not just, it wasn't just something you did in that day. It was very different because what they were doing was saying, I take my life and who I am and put it in front of you. Because in those days, that jacket represented their position or station in life. Dr. Dino wears a certain type of thing when he's at the hospital. If you're you know, if you're mining, you, you wear a certain type of clothing. If you're a butcher, you wear a certain type of clothing. If you're, if you're a welder, you've got certain types of things and gloves that you have. And, and so each one of us may have different look. If you're, if you're selling a certain product, you may have their name all over your jacket and your shirt. And that, that positions you. And so for Peter, that jacket, what he was wearing was the jacket or the outer covering of a fisherman. Because that was his identity. And so rather than just jump in the water, he thought, man, I don't know what my identity is. I'll just put this back on. The identity of a fisherman. Because that's all I, I, know I'm that. And he swims in and look what happens next. Watch with me. It says they found breakfast waiting for them. Others stayed in a boat, pulled it in. When he got there, they found breakfast. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, yet the net hadn't torn. Now, a couple things happening here. Fish cooking over what kind of fire? What kind of fire? It's only two places in the entire Bible that that it specifies a charcoal fire. It's here, and it's the place where Peter denied Christ. You ever walk through a place and you smell some, some food and it just reminds you of the food your grandmother used to make? You ever smell like a, a peach cobbler or something in a restaurant and it reminds you of something your aunt used to make? And you ever have the fragrance? You ever smell something and it reminds you of someplace else? Or it reminds you of a particular moment? Fragrance, one of the most powerful factory. It's a, one of the most powerful senses we have as men. You ever. You ever go in someplace, you ever have that thing where you, you smell danger? You smell a problem? You ever have that? I mean, we talk about it like that. And here, Jesus brings Peter back to that same atmosphere that he was in when he denied Christ. Okay, so watch what happens next. So, how many fish did they catch? It's a little sidebar just a little sidebar. This is, uh, let me show you, because this is, this is a clue that was written for the Greeks and the Romans. Go to that, give me that next slide there, uh, Trey, the one with the two circles. Yeah, yeah, so this, this overlapping circles, this is the start of modern-day geometry, and that uh, circle in the middle is, uh, is the, the way that you measure that is uh, 153 over 256. So the, the number three becomes prominent because that is the square root of three. Later became an igthus. It's a, it's a mandorla. It's a, and so what what John is doing is giving the Greeks and the Romans, and they loved math so much that if you were younger, you'd be like giving each other math quizzes. And so John's putting in there a number that then immediately told that Greek or Roman person to look for the threes. Look for the threes shorthand for the square root of three. So now you know. Turn to somebody and say, I always wondered. There you know. And then the cross in the middle, you know, of course, became the acrostic uh, for Igthus, for uh, Jesus Christ, uh, Son of God, Savior and Lord. And so uh, you can just drop that. Let's go back to the scripture. It's a little sidebar. Was that okay? All right, 153. That's what that was. So now we're looking for the threes. What happens next? Look at it with me. Go to, the next, go to the next scripture. What happens next? What happens next is that Jesus then says to Simon, come and have some breakfast. This is the third time. We see this again, the third time Jesus appeared. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Peter, you know, I, yes, Peter said, you know, I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Go to the next one. Then he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know, I love you. Now, how many times is that? How many times has asked him? Twice, right? Twice so far. Now, the, the tense within the actual language here is, is sort of not flippant. It's just somewhat casual. Do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Yeah, Peter, do you love me? yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter's still dealing with this thing. Now he's sitting in front of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, do you love me? He says, yeah. And then he asked him a third time. Look at this third time. A third time he asked him, sign of son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Now, the original translation says that Peter was pierced to his heart. What's happening at this moment? He's smelling. All of a sudden it hits him. Bam! That's how many times has he asked me that? Third time. How many times did he deny him? Three times. What's, he, what's the fragrance of the moment? It's a charcoal fire. All of a sudden, he just goes, oh, man. And he says, Lord, yeah, you know me. Yeah, you know me. You know everything. You know me. Pastor David, come on up. To, let's do a little guitar thing. So, yeah, let's do a thing. And... Uh, Jesus, in that compassion moment, looks at Peter. Go to the next one. It says, feed my sheep. Goes to this next scripture. Jesus says to him, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Yeah, so interesting little prophecy over Peter at this point. What Jesus is doing right here is healing Peter's heart. Some of us are dealing with regret and shame. You see, the issue is guilt is knowing you made a mistake. Guilt is knowing you made a mistake. Peter had guilt, but Peter had something else on him also. Guilt is knowing you made a mistake, but shame is believing you are the mistake. That you're the wrong guy in the wrong place. you really shouldn't have been here. you did it wrong. I'm the mistake. I'm the reason this is going wrong. I'm the reason this isn't going right. Peter was feeling not only guilt, but he was feeling shame. Not just having made a mistake, but believing he was the mistake. And then Jesus says to him this weird prophecy. Hey, man, when you were young, you could do anything you want, but once you get old, they're going to have to lead you around. Let me break that apart just real quick. What Jesus is basically telling Peter is, dude, you're going to grow old. So remember the upper room when Christians are being, people of the way are being thrown into jail and all this stuff's happening, the power of God, Acts 1, falls on people. Who is it that goes out and preaches? Peter, why? Because he goes, don't worry boys, I got a prophecy, I'm going to grow old. Remember he's in jail one time and they're supposed to kill him the next morning? He starts singing songs. Why? Because Jesus spoke over him a word. He says, you're going to grow old. I'll be with you. Then the last thing Jesus said to his disciples as he left was wherever you go, I'll be there with you. Stand with me right now. I want to pray over this because I want us to finish this day strong, to walk out in liberty and in the fragrance of this place in this moment be able to say, Father you know my heart you know me you know who I am I mean, Peter's looking at Jesus and right then he knows that he knows, right? Like Peter knows, dude yeah, he knows It's like he's thinking, man, nobody really knows that I denied him. Nobody really knows my secret little thing. But I know. And I know that thing that I did will forever, as we talked about when we started today, disqualify me. He's feeling shame. He's feeling like, I don't measure up. And then Jesus speaks a word over him. He says, go feed my sheep. In other words, get back on mission. Get back on mission. Pick the harp up again. Go back to the harp. Go back to that place where we were together in intimacy. Go back to that first love. Because I forgive you. That's what he's saying right here. He's saying, hey, feed my sheep. I forgive you. We're good. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we talked about it in the first session this morning, that you are no longer that old person. You're a new creation. Right here, I want to finish this today with the fact that Jesus has forgiven us of all our transgressions. And what John did here was tell us what happened in Peter's life. And what Jesus did for Peter is redeem him. The redemption of Christ is tell him, hey, feed my sheep. And from that moment of forgiveness, from that moment, where Peter's released that charcoal fire, that same atmosphere from that moment, the church of Jesus Christ has exploded and never stopped. And is that moment of setting us free, not only from guilt, but from shame. Have you done something you regretted, said something you regretted, had something towards somebody, and you thought, man, I, I need to get this right, never could, you just kind of sit with that thing. And we want to release it today. Because the power of the life of Christ and His death on the cross was when He said, forgive them because they don't know what they did. Forgiveness. The power of Christ in our lives and the greatest power we can give to somebody else. I forgive them. Everybody raise a hand with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I I, uh, trust You and Your Spirit right now. In this moment of intimacy where we say, to you forgive me and we receive that same forgiveness that Peter received to be released of shame and regret if you're here right now I want you to just begin to name that say, say Father you know me you know I did that you know that thing happened and I regret it but I ask you to forgive me the Bible says that no matter what it is we can come to him, ask him to forgive us, and he will forgive us. Placing no condemnation on us. But through Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary and the power of the resurrection right now. Come on, lift your hand up right now. As you say, Father, forgive me. Release me from the identity of regret. Let me take off that old cloak, that old robe, that old look, that old identity, and let me put on me now this new identity of a follower and son of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you right now that in your love and your grace and your mercy, you forgive us. And your mercies are new every morning. Revelation 21, God says, from heaven, I behold, I make all things new. word of God it says my mercies are new every morning God created the calendar so that things would be new every day every month every year newness of life so father I thank you for newness of life right now I thank you for releasing us from these things that have held us back I thank you for the freedom of this moment father all right Trey put up one more slide i want to show you one more thing I love this whole picture of that, that last uh, bowl there. There's a, there's a Japanese art, ancient Japanese art, called Kintsugi. And uh, this is a, it's a master piece of art right here. And what this is, is a bowl that uh, was about $100 if you just bought it before it was broken. But a master craftsman took a $100 Ceramic bowl and broke it into pieces and then using precious metal has put it back together Now that bowl Started out a hundred dollars a master craftsman took it and fashioned it into something new Using precious material and that bowl right there is nine hundred eighty five dollars So remember Nick Flynn Remember those vases that were broken? man tried to put them back together but they decreased in value you see when God puts something back together the master craftsman the precious material of the cross come on somebody it increases in value thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast you can join us in person Sundays at 10am or 6pm we have something for all people and all ages or join our live stream at 10am